All right, we are back to podcast, and I hope everyone has had a good day, and we're thankful. Lord, you shall we go. Thou hast the words of eternal life, and um, we thank uh, God for his blessings, for the good day that we've had today. Yeah, I trust that uh, you've had a good day after church, and just uh, appreciate all of God goodness to us and uh, how much he's blessed us. I want to go to Hebrews 11 tonight, Hebrews chapter number 11. We're going to pick up our text. The last time we we closed out with Abraham and Sarah, so we're picking up in verse 20, Hebrews 11 and verse 20. Now, let's, uh, let's look at how the book of Hebrews has unfolded. We, we went through ten, nine and a half, ten chapters of proclaiming how much better Jesus is and was uh, than the old covenant, than the law, than the old way of religion and of doing things. And it's said often, I said it this morning, I'll, I'll continue to say it. You've, you've heard it preached and taught uh, probably not as much as we need to, that it is a relationship and not religion. So having said that, what, what does someone mean when they say it's relationship and not religion? Well, religion was um, cold, dead, you know, law, cold, dead works, cold, dead rules, um, whereas... Related, the relationship is wrapped up in a person. It's about a person, and it is the person of Jesus Christ, no one else. And so, therein is the meaning behind it's a relationship and not a religion. So, for ten chapters, nine and a half, ten chapters, <clears throat> we discussed that how much better he was, how much. Uh, more fulfilling, more completed, more satisfying that Christ is and was than religion. Having said that, we now transition into Hebrews 11. And so we we finally, in Hebrews 11, go from uh, the entire subject matter of Hebrews being about Christ. And again, like I said on Wednesday evening, now it's transitioning into examples of individuals that had went on before us and had given us an example of what it means to live for God under various circumstances and <clears throat> typically very difficult circumstances. And then as we did so, we, we started with Abel. And from Abel, we went to Enoch. And then from Enoch, we went to Noah, then Abraham and Sarah and Isaac. And I, the, concerning Isaac, it says in verse 20, By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. Now, I've, I've made a statement in the Genesis study, is, and that is every family that we encounter, every family we approach in the book of Genesis, you'll find that there's some form of dysfunction. And so that's that's relatively comforting to you and I today because when we look to the the Bible, we look 
to the Old Testament, we look to Bible characters, we tend to think of a, a level of perfection. We tend to think of, um, you know, they, they're something far off that cannot be obtained, their lifestyle and, and their manner. In reality, they're, they were human beings. They were men and women just like you and I with faults and failures and weaknesses and strengths. And we see that in the family structure in Genesis. In Genesis, you see every single family, I mean, starting from Adam and Eve, had some form of dysfunction in them. Now, that's about to be multiplied. That's about to be elevated. So, at this point, I want to kind of take... Um, Take all the prophecies out. Take all of the the patriarchal issues out <clears throat> of Isaac and Jacob and Esau and Abraham and all of that. And I want to deal with some practical things. Okay, here's what I mean. Let's look at this family because up the, we, we've come to Abraham and. For those of you that have been in the Genesis study, it's it, it's, amazing. it's fascinating how these two are intertwining. In the Genesis study, we've just covered Abraham's life. And if you recall, I closed out, I believe it was the last lesson that we had, in stating that when Sarah dies, her and, her and Abraham don't live together. They don't. Now, we don't know why they don't live together. We don't know what unfolded. We don't know what took place. Uh, I've told you what scholars believe. A lot of Jewish scholars, Jewish historians believe that um, due to Abraham's willingness to sacrifice their son, Isaac, that she she left him. She left Abraham. We, we don't know that was the reason. We don't know that to be the case. But we do know this. When she died, her and Abraham were not living together. Okay, Abraham had to travel to her to where her body was. And then, of course, he, he mourned her. And so we, we, don't under, we don't know all the details in that. But we do know that there was dysfunction. <clears throat> there was dysfunction within the marriage. The times that uh, Abraham lied due to a lack of faith and so forth, and Ab and Sarah laughing at him, and just just it's just a lot of a lot of things that we've seen. Well, that begins to come to fruition in Isaac. Isaac is born. Isaac is is raised. He's a grown man. Of course, he had been sacrificed, but when Isaac gets older. Matter of fact, let me just say this, okay? And I, I don't want to be too hard on him, but when Isaac gets older, we'll find that the pretty much the only and the last spiritual thing ever mentioned about Isaac was his willingness to be sacrificed. That's That's the truth. Isaac never does a spiritual thing. Isaac is very gullible. Isaac is very um, permissive as a parent. Favoritism. 
Uh, it begins to permeate the relationships uh, between he and his children, and it and it filters on down. And so we come to verse twenty. Now, let me say this: everything I've just told you, one would not think that we were reading from the Hebrews Hall of Faith. One would not think that we're reading from a Hall of Fame, if you please. One would think we were reading about examples of of what not to be and what not to do, and and we are. But do you see the theme here? Do you not see the theme that even these greats, even these spiritual giants, they had issues and failures and problems of their own? And the reality is Isaac never done another spiritual thing after his willingness to be sacrificed, and here he is in the Faith Hall of Fame. What does that mean? Well, it means what it is. His faith was great, but his character was not so great. Now, that's tough. That's tough. In fact, we we don't really always parallel that. And if you, you can kind of, because I, I've been around church for years, my whole life basically, but uh, for the past 30 years it's been my life. And what you find are two two ditches in in our area in 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 the south and among Baptist churches and churches in particular you find a very legalistic ditch that feel that teach and preach that faith and character and faith and integrity and faith and dignity and faith and the outward works are hand in hand they go completely together okay that's true to a degree the problem is the Bible gives us different examples of that, such as Isaac, such as David, such as Moses or who, whomever we're going to address. And faith does equate character in many instances, but not every instance. Here's what I mean. Isaac obviously has is a point of contention, maybe, between Abraham and Sarah. He is obviously very favored. He would be a child that was born, obviously, in their old age, and he would be possibly, quite possibly, coddled, spoiled, as we would say in our day. So the fact that he was born in such an old age uh, to Abraham and Sarah and the fact that he was that chosen son, that one and only son. Um, of course, Ishmael being kicked out. It didn't have the greatest character effects on Isaac. Because again, his spiritual life is not one to be noted. However, he did demonstrate faith. He demonstrated faith in Genesis 22 when he was willing to go to the top of the mountain with his dad in complete belief that they were coming back again when there was no certainty that they were. <clears throat> so, we see in verse 20 of Hebrews 11, I said all that to get here. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. Now, we remember the story there. You got Jacob, you got Esau. 
Uh, Esau was a, a hunter in the fields. He was he was a bred, a hairy man. Um, he he was an outdoorsman, a hunter. Jacob was not like that. Jacob was a trickster. He was named means supplanter. Uh, he was a wheeler and a dealer. He was always looking for out for Jacob. I mean, from his very birth, he was looking out for Jacob, and he stole the birthright of Esau. He done so, of course, by uh, being covered in in wool and 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 hair himself. Because Isaac's vision was getting dim, he couldn't see. When he's got no vision, he can't see clearly. And he thought that he, uh, Jacob was Esau, and he gave the birthright and the blessing to Jacob. And here they are in the hall of faith. So we come to Jacob by verse 21, by faith Jacob, when he was a dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshiped leaning upon the top of his staff. Now let's go to Jacob. <coughs> Jacob being Isaac's son. Not much mentioned of Esau here, but we do see a mention of Jacob here. And Jacob also had a favorite. Jacob had a son by the name of Joseph. And his favoritism towards Joseph tore their family apart. So what is this teaching us? Well, it's teaching us now we've got two generations um, out of this patriarchal line. One son was coddled and pet put on a pedestal. And then we've got, now now he is, is grown and he has a favorite son. And both of these issues are detrimental to the character of these people. Number one, don't play favorites among your children. Okay? We, we see the detriment in that with Joseph. Number two, don't coddle them and spoil them. We see the detriment of that in Isaac. So Isaac, being coddled and spoiled, has a favorite son and it's Joseph. And that tears the family apart. You remember Joseph comes and he dreams the dream and he tells the brothers and the brothers are are upset. He's already got the coat of many colors. They throw him in the pit and just just a tragedy. And of course, Joseph goes through all that he goes through, being an innocent man and blessing his brothers later in life, loving his brothers, being reconciled back with his dad and the entire story there. And it's a story where it's not perfect and it's not perfect people. But here they are in the hall of faith. I don't know about you, but this encourages me. It does not dishearten me. I think a lot of people would read these issues and be somewhat disheartened where, and it doesn't give us a pass to be sorry or to, to not do what's right, but it does give us an encouragement for when we do fail and we do, do have situations where maybe we didn't do what was right, but God still loves us, still uses us, still works and moves in our lives. And our positional righteousness has nothing to do with our practical righteousness. That's what we see. So then we come to Joseph, verse 22. By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the, of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandments concerning his bones. So 
this is just a quick systematic overview of, of the, the Bible. We go from Joseph. Of course, Joseph spent that time and he went down to Egypt. There was a reason for that. There was a God-given reason <coughs> for him going to Egypt. There was a famine in the land. He went down to Egypt when he went, or he, I'm sorry, he, he got sold into Egyptian uh, slavery. He worked for Pharaoh, and then the famine come, and his father and brothers come down to Egypt. Well, that's where the children of Israel would be. So then we open up Exodus, and when we open up Exodus, we've got the children of Israel. They're enslaved to the Egyptians. They're living in Egypt, and they're slaves to them. How did that happen? Because the family of Jacob, the Israel, the father of the nation, took everyone down to Egypt. And so now they're all born in Egypt. They're born in bondage, and they want to be delivered out. So God raises up a deliverer. And his name is Moses. Verse 24, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be the call, called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Why? Although he was born in Egypt, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him. He was a Jew. He was an Israelite. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. What is that? That's teaching us uh, a believer who chooses Christ, chooses living for Jesus, living for God over the pleasures of the world. For he had respect unto the recompense of reward. Verse 27, By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured, seeing him who is invisible. So, uh, Moses stuck his neck on the line, if you please. He uh, said, I don't want to be identified with Egypt anymore. He made the choice when he seen the Egyptian and the Hebrew and and so forth. And he, he chose the Hebrew. He chose the Hebrew way and the Hebrew life and the Hebrew people. And, and, and Pharaoh does not like that. Other, the, the Egypt doesn't like that. And he, he forsook all of Egypt, had to offer in order that he might live for God and live for the people of God. Now, that's great faith. We see how Moses is there. However, he failed also when he let his flesh get the best of him and he struck the rock twice when God said to speak to it. Verse 28, through faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch him. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as, as by dry land, which the Egyptians saying to do were drowned. Of course, that's speaking of passing over the Red Sea uh, onto dry land from Egypt into the wilderness. They're not yet in the promised land. We know the story there. That leads us to Joshua. So what happens? Well, they go across the Red Sea through God's victory, picture of salvation. And then they're in the wilderness. Well, the wilderness is not the promised land. It's it's the tip of it, but there's a transition period that should have took about a week. I've preached this many times to you. Uh, the trip from the wilderness into the promised land should have taken about a week uh, by marching, and it took them 40 years. Why did it take them 40 years? Because they went in a circle 
every single year, and they were intimidated by the giants. They were intimidated by the walls. They were intimidated by the enemy. And so that prevented them from going into the promised land. What does that teach us spiritually? Being Living in fear keeps you from victory. So Moses dies, does not go into the promised land. His uh, faith uh, got tested. His patience got tested. He struck the rock twice, and he was denied the promised land. So we come to verse 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. Joshua does get them into the promised land. Joshua, ladies and gentlemen, was the new leader. He was the emancipator, if you please. He was the leader. I'm not going to say the leader that Moses wasn't, but he he does get them to the next place, the next level. Moses led them wonderfully for 40 years, but he, he couldn't get them across. Why? Because his flesh got the best of him, and he struck the rock twice instead of speaking to it. And so what was the result? The children of Israel went to promised land. Moses didn't get to go. So Joshua is the new leader. Joshua means Jesus. It's it's what's uh, an Old Testament rendering of what we would know as being the New Testament Jesus. <clears throat> and he leads them now across the Jordan. So you've got two bodies of water. You've got the Red Sea that takes God's people from Egypt into the wilderness. Then from the wilderness into the Promised Land, we've got the Jordan River. And so they go back across wet, dry, dry land, which was wet. Another miracle, God bringing the waters up again that the people of God now may enter into the Promised Land. Well, Joshua was the leader, but there was also someone that assisted, and it was a harlot, and her name was Rahab, okay? We know the story there. The spies went over. They went into her home. As they go into the harlot's home, um, she she recognizes that they're, they're not, you know, Egyptians. She recognizes who they are, and, and she tells them that she will assist them and in getting them into the promised land and to keeping them safe. And she does. And she lets out the scarlet thread. She lets them down. And that is a sign and a symbol that the scarlet thread of redemption would save us all. And so these men were saved that day from uh, the dangers and from the enemy through a scarlet thread being let down from the house of Rahab the harlot. And so God now takes Rahab, who is and was a harlot, and puts her in the hall of faith. That's beautiful. That's beautiful to me. So we see the men, we see Sarah, we see very spiritual people, and then we see an old harlot that God changed her life, and she's in the hall of faith. Verse 31, by faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. Now we go to verse 32 through 40. So what we've had now is is a bunch of specific, specifically named people. And now we go into some generalities. And these are the, the verses 32 through 40 are some of my favorite verses in the Bible. 
Let's look at them together. And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon. Of course, Gideon being one of the judges who was a very uh, fearful man. He was afraid of the enemy, but God challenges him, encourages him, and here he is in the hall of faith. Gideon and of Barak and Barak and, and of Samson. So Barak and Samson were both um, judges that were used by God. And of Jephthah, Jephthah was also a judge. And of David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets. So you see this? We're going through the Bible. We see we come out of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, and now look where we are. We're judges. And we see we see Gideon one, Barak two, Samson three, Jephthah four judges mentioned, four good judges. Now, it is a judgmental time in Israel at this time. It's a time when man done that which was right in their own eyes, and the judges ruled over them. That's that's where we are in the biblical historical fact. This thing is building. Now watch this. So it comes out of Judges, and it transitions into David and Samuel and of the prophets. So what what are we doing? We are covering the entire Old Testament. We go from David, Samuel, and the prophets. And then we go to verse 33. Who through faith, this is how important faith is, subdued kingdoms, that means bound kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises. So that means the promises were that they were promised and, 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 and given were obtained by them. Stop the mouths of lions, Daniel when he prayed, God stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire. Uh, it'd be Elisha and Elijah. Es- escaped the edge of the sword, many prophets. Out of weakness were made strong. So in times of great weakness, God made them strong while they relied on his strength. My strength is made perfect in weakness. That's what he told Paul in First Corinthians waxed valiant in fight. Valiancy would be courage and bravery. So they became very valiant in their fights. Turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. What about that? What about that? Didn't we see that with Elijah and Elisha? You see the bites. It's beautiful. Women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, bonds and imprisonments. Christ did, went through that, as well as many New Testament saints. They were stoned, and they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. That's so beautiful. They might have had a short life down here, some of them, and that's because the world wasn't worthy of them. They had a better place to be, and God took them to that place. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth, and these all having obtained a good report... How did they obtain the good report? Through faith, receive not the promise. In this life, 
all of them didn't get the promise. Now, let that encourage you, okay? Talking about faith, talking about maintaining faith, having faith. And it said they received not the promise. You know, if if we don't get prayers answered down here, sometimes our faith struggles. I, can I tell you that? Let's just talk about that a minute as we close. Uh, one of the greatest... Um, examples, one of the the greatest litmus tests for having faith and our faith being strong and our faith being excellent is is when we see prayer answered. I've even heard people say, you're not getting prayers answered, you don't have the faith. But then the, the problem with that is, is when you don't get prayers answered, it hurts our faith. And so these people are in the faith hall of fame, but watch this. We see in verse 20 that having obtained a a good report through faith, received not the promise, some of them never got their prayer answered. They never got what they desired down here. They never got their health back. They never got their safety back. They never got their security back. You you know, every prayer is not answered like we want. Every prayer is answered. And what the Bible is pointing out here is some of these people got their prayers answered, some didn't, but every one of them obtained a good report because they remained faithful to God, whether it got answered or not. Verse 40, God having provided some better thing for us that they without us should not be made perfect. So how does this chapter close? It closes with the fact that although they didn't get the prayer answer down here in heaven, in their home, with the presence of God, they got it all. They got it all. And then I want to jump to chapter 12 and read one verse, and we're closing. Chapter 12, one verse, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. What does that mean? What does that mean? That means that they have encamped us, encircled us, and they are a great cloud of witness to watch us run our race of life. And the idea here is in a stadium. Paul was, and and whomever the Hebrew writer is, they were people that enjoyed the Roman games, the early Greek games, the early... Olympic Games, and that the idea here is is running in a stadium with a crowd looking on, or and and being in a competition with the crowd looking on, and so all of these people are listed in this Hebrews Hall of Fame to tell us that as we run our race down here, they're all looking on, cheering us on, providing examples for us that we might run our race with patience. So I can look to David or I can look to Isaac or I can look to Abraham or I can look to Sarah or I can look to Rahab or anybody else listed here and see how they handled their lives, how they lived for God and how they loved their families and how they maintained their dignity and character and how they were in the hall of faith. They're a great cloud of witness that have went on before us that provides us the example of how to live and walk with God. All right? So that's Hebrews chapter 11 and one verse from chapter 12. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you have a great week. Be safe. Good night. God bless. And I love each of you.